Well, physician assistants have really have a very rich history in the Canadian Armed Forces. University of Calgary, um, which I'm on the, the Curriculum Development Committee for, is um, hopefully having a class for September of 2024. Nova Scotia has promised to open up a program as well as the University of Saskatchewan. So we're definitely seeing this huge shift and then the programs that already are existing, we're seeing the number of seats um, doubling in the next couple of years, which is very exciting. Right now, we only are regulated in Alberta, Manitoba, and New Brunswick. And so I think with regulation, it will become, um, you know, more widely known as a, a profession, as well as we get some credibility as we fall under the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta in this province. The whole healthcare industry is going to change dramatically in the next couple of years. To chronic disease management and the preventative aspect of care. AI can now understand the key clinical concepts of what's being verbalized in healthcare. Welcome to Cherry Live. I'm Dr. Jordan Valrath, physician, entrepreneur, and chief medical officer for Cherry Health. We're talking about Canadian healthcare. Join us as we speak to innovators, industry leaders, and people working to drive the health system forward. All right, today we are talking to Rachel Prato. Rachel Prato is a Canadian certified physician assistant who practices primary care at the Moose and Squirrel Medical Clinic in Sundry, Alberta. Rachel graduated from the University of Toronto's Bachelor of Sciences in PA Studies in 2021 and shortly after moved to rural Alberta. So she's passionate about PA advocacy and was featured by the CPSA for a day in the life of a physician assistant in May 2022. She's currently involved in the curriculum development for the upcoming physician assistance program at the University of Calgary. Uh, Rachel, thank you for joining us. Yeah, thank you so much for inviting me uh, to be interviewed. I guess we should have gone over our names at the beginning, but it's actually pronounced Prado. And if you're Prado, a good Italian, okay. <laughs> you would roll the R, but I'm not, Prato. so I can't do that. I apologize for uh, bastardizing it already right up front. We're <laughs> off to a good start here, 20 seconds in. Uh, so this has come up just recently on another episode of the podcast. I know here in Alberta, you know, the premise of team-based care and trying to patch the cracks in our system, you know, everything is falling apart around us. And the premise of having physician assistants in clinics came up. And I, I was just like, what the heck is a physician assistant? I've heard this term before. I thought this was something very exotic and foreign. They have them in the United States. I've seen posts on Facebook. I had zero idea we had any in Canada, but you said we're up to about 900 something now, almost a thousand in Canada. Is that correct? Yeah, something like that. I'm not sure of the exact numbers, but it's definitely a growing profession. Yeah. So Dr. Meyer and Dr. Hilner from podcast last week or a couple of weeks ago, uh, they spoke very highly of physician assistants, and I think they knew you personally. That's how they actually made the connection. And so I'm super excited to learn what is a physician assistant. So I, why don't we start there? What is a PA? What do you guys actually do? Yeah, so physician assistants are skilled uh, medical professionals that are trained under the medical model. We work in collaboration with supervising physicians and practice medicine, essentially as an extension of their services and increasing accessibility to care. So what that really kind of looks like, um, we do histories and physical examinations. We order investigations and interpret results. We're able to diagnose, formulate treatment plans, uh, do minor procedures, or in some uh, situations actually are in the OR and surgically assisting as a first assist. And uh, we do all within the supervision of a physician. And so we are not an independent provider. Uh, we have a working relationship with a supervising physician, either directly or indirectly. 
And that uh, direct uh, supervision kind of looks like how you would review with a resident. And as you kind of progress in your career and you start to have that working relationship kind of shift, you might be given more autonomy throughout. Um, and that's maybe more where the indirect supervision kind of comes into play, where your supervisor could be accessed only remotely. So in uh, scenarios where PAs are working in kind of northern communities, they're only accessing their, their supervisor through uh, telephone. So what can't you do? It sounds very much like a physician then at that point. What's the actual difference then? Is it just that signing authority and the, the ability to like write a prescription? And is there any other difference, I guess? I'm assuming there's some differences in just like the training and the things that you actually do during your schooling. But when it comes to the actual patient visit, the patient encounter, what would the patient notice being different? Well, we're not physicians. A patient might notice that um, we can take a little bit of extra time for their care. Uh, we work on an hourly kind of basis. Um, and so we're able to maybe take a little bit more time in terms of patient education and um, having kind of that holistic or, or comprehensive care. We cannot prescribe controlled substances or narcotics. And all of our prescriptions are written um, with kind of a co-signature from the physician or their information on the prescription pad, kind of depending on what, you're, what system that you're using. We also um, can only work within the scope that our physician is comfortable with. And in that, only what physicians are doing within their practice. So if you, for example, are skilled in, in doing IUD insertions, but the doctor you're working with doesn't do IUDs, you can't do that. And that is because there has to be a certain level of supervision there. Well, it sounds similar to, you know, if I'm supervising a nurse at the clinic, right? You know, they're only able to do the things that are, um, tr you know, I'm qualified to supervise for, I guess, for the most part. So it, it sounds, again, very much like working with a resident, you know, that same supervisory role, having that co-signing power on there. That's really cool. So what what do you actually do in your day-to-day -day then at the Sundry Clinic? Yeah, like the residents never leave. Um, <laughs> well, that's one kind of way to look at it. Uh, at Sundry, so I work Monday to Friday. Um, I, I offer evening clinic hours, and I also man our call phone one week out of the month. Um, within clinic, I have scheduled appointments, usually two back-to-back, -back, and then a free space um, where I either have time to review with my supervisor if necessary, or for the most part, it is utilized as same-day access. So we are getting patients that are able to come in for things that we're hopefully limiting them having to go to the emergency department for. Um, and that's kind of how my schedule continues throughout the day. Uh, we get a nice long lunch, and then we kind of continue on for the, the afternoon in that same sort of fashion. Okay, awesome. And so does the physician need to be like physically on site then? Or is it again, similar to how you'd operate with a resident in a rural area? Maybe the resident has taken the first call if you're in the ER or on the, the phone call. Um, does the doctor have to literally be there or can there be some separation physically? It depends on what your supervisory agreement looks like with the physicians that you're working with. Um, I think often when you are a new graduate and kind of new to practice, there's usually a present um, physician in, in some provinces, depending on um, regulation. I know Manitoba typically wants six months of regular kind of reviewing and having more of that direct um, supervision. And then as you progress in your skill set and you know, that working relationship changes and you guys have a better understanding of maybe what you're comfortable with, there's more of that um, independent supervision and, and autonomy. Very cool. Okay. And then 
what does the training look like? Uh, how many years? What do you go through? I'm assuming it's very similar to going through medical school. Yeah, so um, this is all kind of shifting as there's new programs that are being developed. But traditionally, Ontario has two programs. There's the University of Toronto, which is um, kind of the consortium of uh, PA education. It is paired with um, the Missioners Institute, as well as the Northern Ontario School of Medicine that kind of collaborate to make this program. You can apply, um, given that it's a bachelor degree, with only two years of undergraduate experience. And then they have additional admission requirements such as healthcare experience hours um, or recommended courses such as anatomy, physiology, and, and those types of things. But they're not mandatory, which is really nice because it allows for a very wide um, range of applicants. Um, in my class, I had people that were previously like flight paramedics, um, engineers, social workers, right? And so not having that kind of strict um, science background really allows for you know, a, a diverse pool of applicants. And then the University of Manitoba, it is a master's degree. And so you would have to have an undergraduate in order to apply. The program itself uh, is 24 months consecutively. So it's really kind of fast paced, accelerated learning. And we don't have um, summer holidays off. You kind of get a little bit of a break at around Christmas time. And the first 14 months of that is didactic learning. So that's where we're learning our clinical skills. We're having cadaver labs and doing anatomy. Um, physiology, pharmacology, medical foundations, those types of, of things. And then the next 10 months preceding um, are our clinical rotations. And for every school, it's a little bit different, but they try to have a focus on primary care as PAs are supposed to graduate as more so generalists to practice. And so um, at the University of Toronto, I rotated through three rotations in, in family medicine. And then we have uh, pediatrics, there's emergency medicine, general surgery, um, psych, and internal medicine, followed by two electives. Today's episode was sponsored by Fomaderm. Fomaderm is an advanced compounding base for topical drug delivery, proudly developed by researchers right here in Alberta. Unleash the power of topical diclofenac with Fomaderm's nanotechnology to improve skin delivery, ensuring precision and efficiency. The non-greasy water-based foam formulation is preferred by patients and lets you use significantly lower concentrations of diclofenac to reduce skin irritation and side effects. Elevate your patient care with Fomaderm. Visit www.rstherapeutics.com today to receive some free samples. And so it's very geared towards that primary care practice. Are there like specialties that you can go down? Is that something that might be coming in the future? Or is it pretty much like one track and you're on that sort of family medicine primary care road? Yeah, so really interesting. Actually, in Alberta, the majority of physician assistants actually work within AHS facilities. And there aren't very many of us in primary care. Um, we are graduating as generalists, and the idea is that when you start in any kind of specialty, as long as there's a supervising physician, you're kind of getting a lot of on-the-job training. Um, there aren't fellowships at this time, and there isn't really a way to kind of subspecialize. Um, it's more so what you're learning as you kind of start into your practice. And so kind of the, the easy answer is wherever there's an MD, there can be a PA. And so um, I have colleagues working in urology in Calgary, you know, people back in Ontario that are working in very kind of subspecialty kind of medicine. Um, so really, there's, there's a, a, a large scene and PAs can be really anywhere within the healthcare system. 
So here in Alberta, you mentioned most of them are in the hospital setting. Is that the case across most provinces here in Canada, or are they a lot more in primary care like yourself uh, in different locations? Yeah, I think that really kind of depends on the funding models that those provinces are using in order to um, be able to pay for PA services. So currently, we're not able to bill um, Alberta Health, and so they, PAs make a little bit more sense within an AHS facility, or if your clinic has kind of um, an alternative to a fee-for-service. So like in my um, instance, we do the blended capitation model, and my wages come out of the overhead that we get um, at the clinic. So I think that's kind of a, a limiting factor. Would it work for a fee-for-service model? Just you know, the reason I ask is here in Alberta, I think the vast majority of community clinic docs are on that fee-for-service model. You know, if there's technically that direct supervision component, could the physician bill for it, or would that be against kind of that you know the whites of the eyes rule, where the doctor literally has to see yeah. the patient to bill for it? So that's where things become a little bit tricky. Um, in order to bill, you have to be able to see the whites of the eyes. And that sometimes that can limit the autonomy that the PA would then be having as you'd have to review or supervise um, and seeing every single patient that is seen during the day. So as far as I know, there aren't a lot of um, clinics that use PAs within the fee-for-service model, unless maybe in a walk-in or an instance where if you had multiple PAs working for you and as a supervisor, you're kind of just going in into rooms um, and, and laying eyes on, on the patient. Okay, so at this point, it's not really feasible to have like an entire army of PAs like <laughs> serving all of our like rural practices and our rural communities, um, unless you're on that ARP model. Yeah. Do you think that's changing anytime soon? Well, I know there's been some conversation of, around having non-physician um, billing services uh, available, and I'd like to see something like that um, in the future, definitely. Or even just having some grant opportunities like other provinces have in order to kind of incentivize physicians to maybe want to have a, a PA to work in their practice. So, for example, in Ontario, new graduates, um, if you are hired, the government will pay 50% of your salary for the first year, or if you are working rurally for two years. And that definitely kind of incentivizes um, MDs to look and, and to the PA uh, practice and, and hire new grads. So with the longitudinal family practice model coming out, you know, this new LFP billing model then, will that make it more amenable for more clinics to start hiring PAs? Would that cover the funding now if it's more of that capitation or blended capitation side of things now there's you know financial incentive to have more patients rostered more financial incentive to have more of that team-based practice set up yeah absolutely so as healthcare kind of shifts towards more of that interdisciplinary care within the clinic that i'm working at um, the affiliation allows for the clinic to be able to pay for my services and also allows for us to have nursing staff that are able to kind of work at their full extent of their scope of practice, um, really kind of shifting that not all of our patients need to be seen by a physician every time. Very cool. And I don't know if you can speak to this because I know you're here in Alberta, but how does it work in BC or Ontario uh, for the PA's billing model and compensation? Is it pretty much the same? Like they have to be within that team-based sort of LFP capitation model, or are they able to actually bill directly in any of these other places? Yeah, as far as I know, PAs aren't able to bill in other um, other provinces. I do know that in Ontario, there's a lot more of the family health teams and, and kind of models um, that are that more interdisciplinary care. I can't speak to British Columbia. 
Okay, gotcha. And then what is the background, you know, the actual history on the physician assistant side of things? I know to me, this seems very new and exotic, but you were mentioning just before we started recording, you guys have actually been around for many years now. How, how long does that history actually go back? This show is brought to you by Cherry Health, Canada's medical network where healthcare practitioners connect. Physicians, pharmacists, nurses, chiropractors, and all other healthcare professionals can sign up for free, start connecting, messaging with colleagues, or checking out job opportunities posted by thousands of employers across Canada. With dozens of healthcare-specific job filters and search options, we make it easy to advance your career, find your dream job, or line up your next locum with hundreds of new jobs posted every week www.cherry.health to get connected today. Yeah, so physician assistants have really have a very rich history in the Canadian Armed Forces. Um, in the late 1950s and early 1960s, after the Vietnam War, there was kind of an entire collective group of medical uh, medics or providers that were worked beyond their scope um, kind of out in the field and then returning to normal life. Um, and so they were more so noted as senior medical technicians and not until 1984 where we kind of collectively refer to as physician assistants and a more formalized training program was developed. The United States have been using PAs since around that same kind of timeline as well. And if you kind of fast forward a few years into 2008, 2010, that's where in more of the civilian side, we started opening up um, physician assistant programs. And that was the programs that we talked about earlier with McMaster, um, U of T and, and Manitoba. And actually within Alberta, there was a really successful pilot project that had happened in 2013, which allowed physician assistants to be practicing within AHS facilities. And that actually retained a lot of non-regulated PAs working within the province. And so in April of 2021, when we were regulated, there were already 40 um, providers within the province, which is, speaks to something and given that Alberta didn't have its own program. So where were they coming from, right? How many schools are there right now in Canada training PAs? Yeah, so there are three currently, but there's promise for a lot more in the future. The University of Calgary, um, which I'm on the, the curriculum development committee for, is um, hopefully having a class for September of 2024. Wow. Uh, Nova Scotia has promised to open up a program as well as the University of Saskatchewan. So we're definitely seeing this huge shift. And then the programs that already are existing, we're seeing the number of seats um, doubling in the next couple of years, which is very exciting. Well, that's incredible. And, and what else is coming up then in the, the future for PAs? What's on the horizon for the next years and decades? Where do you see things going? <laughs> yeah, I'd like to see regulation be something that's happening. Right now, we only are regulated in Alberta, Manitoba, and New Brunswick. And so I think with regulation, it will become, um, you know, more widely known as a, a profession, as well as we get some credibility as we fall under the College of Physicians and Surgeons of Alberta in this province. Um, and there are some, uh, you know, necessary requirements in order to maintain our, our licensing and our title. So I'd like to see that to be kind of Canada-wide like we have in the United States. Yeah, well, it sounds like one more little, you know, hidden nugget or a little bit of gold coming to that LFP model is being able to expand the team and incorporate, you know, new team members. That's awesome. How'd you get into it yourself? What's the backstory there? What made you want to be a PA? <laughs> yeah, so I did an undergraduate degree at the University of Ottawa. Um, I was doing honors in biomedical science and a minor in psychology. And I always knew that I wanted to work in a healthcare setting. I was just kind of figuring out where it was that I wanted to go. And it wasn't until my third year 
uh, or actually stumbled across the PA profession just kind of looking things up online and there's a lot of kind of advocacy groups um, for Canadian PAs and I realized that it was kind of checked all the boxes it allowed me to you know I love medicine and I love to learn but I also love life outside of medicine and the PA program being short and condensed and very self-driven learning allowed me to really explore both and, and travel and, and kind of you know, nurture all of my identities as well. Having, um, you know, the, the degree that I have, there's a lot of lateral mobility. So right now I'm working in primary care, but if I wanted to, you know, go and work in dermatology or emergency medicine, I would be able to make that shift without having to return to school, which is something that I, I uh, you know, quite enjoy about the profession. Yeah, right on. And then, so you went to the U of T. How did you wind up in sunny, beautiful, sundry Alberta? <laughs> Yeah, that's kind of a multi-step uh, answer. So there was, a, there was a huge housing crisis, you know, in Ontario. Um, so Alberta was, if I wanted to ever be a homeowner, that was definitely something um, to consider. We've got the 5% sales tax, the beauty of the mountains, right? So there's a lot of things kind of driving me to Alberta. And then specifically Sundry. Um, the Moose and Squirrel Medical Clinic is really an extraordinary clinic and kind of a model for primary care in the province. And we've got some extraordinary physicians working there. Um, and they're very dedicated to allowing, you know, me to really fully um, appreciate my scope of practice and kind of are always behind me, you know, wanting me to advocate for the PA profession, which I think is something really important. Which is wicked. Yeah. So Dr. Rob and Dr. Michelle, you know, they're pretty ahead of things, right? So they're, they're, I think you guys were one of the first clinics actually to switch over to that blended cap model. So fertile grounds for having the PA. Uh, and then you mentioned you guys have hired a few new PAs recently as well. How's that been going? Yeah. So with this new graduating class, they've just um, have written their licensing exams and now are certified as physician assistants. We've got one student um, that had actually come from the University of Manitoba to finish his last rotations here with us and then and then moved as well as a new graduate from the University of Toronto um, as well. So now we are a team of, of three PAs. Awesome. How many physicians, how many nurses, how many PAs? What's the what's a good <laughs> ratio for clinics to have? Yeah, that's hard to say. Um, right now we have three physicians and, and three PAs. We'd like to see kind of a dyad where um, potentially, you know, you would either see your um, your physician or you would see the PA and they would work as a team, which is also nice for the MDs because we will be working through, you know, the same inbox, the same kind of panel of patients, really kind of getting to know our patients and have that continuity of care. Um, given though that I've been here for a couple of years, there's been conversations around, well, I've been seeing everybody's patients for so long. There's definitely some people that, you know, will be upset if they're not able to continue to see me. And I think we're going to have a little bit of that flexibility. But I think in the future, the idea would be that when you kind of sign on with our clinic, you would see, you know, one of the, the group of two. And then can I ask, what's like the salary band for a PA? You know, how much does a cl clinic need to budget actually to bring on a PA? You know, one versus in their early career or at the, you know, kind of end of their career later stage. Yeah, this is a little bit of a hot topic in, uh, for physician assistants. Um, we would like to see equivalency to nurse practitioners in terms of wages. Um, sometimes that can be a little bit challenging. So I'd say for most PAs as new graduates, a new graduate starting, they're usually in that $85,000 to $90,000 a year kind of salary range. And then as you kind of step um, up through experience and along with the pay scale, that could be anywhere, you know, between 120, um, you know, plus 
Right on. What's an NP make these days? I actually have literally no idea. <laughs> um, it depends if they're being paid through the PCN, um, but oftentimes they're in the high, um, you know, I, I know more so in terms of hourly, they're making kind of the high 50s uh, to 60s per hour, where for PAs, that's more looking like the mid 40s to, to 50s an hour. Okay, so a little bit of catching up there to do. Uh, yeah. So in terms of scope of practice, PA versus an NP, then um, where really does that difference lie? Is it sort of they have a little bit more autonomy? Is there anything else in there? Yeah, so um, absolutely. Nurse practitioners are independent practitioners, so they don't have to have that collaborative um, arrangement or supervising physician. There were also nurses before they um, became nurse practitioners, and so they had four years of uh, you know, they did a, an RN degree as well as two years of clinical experience before becoming nurse practitioners. So the, the training itself is a little bit different as well as the model of care that they work under. So we are trained more under that medical model where nurse practitioners may be more so that the nursing model. Gotcha. Okay, right on. I'm kind of running out of questions here. I mean, this is fantastic. I've learned a lot already. Is there anything else you think the, the medical community needs to know about PAs and how you guys integrate within that team-based care model? Yeah, I think in this time where, you know, there's such a shortage in healthcare providers, whether you're a nurse practitioner, a PA, an MD, we're all essentially working for the same, you know, common goal. We want our patients to be seen and cared for. Um, and to improve accessibility. So I really would like to see all of our professions kind of working collaboratively together. Fully agree, right on. Okay, well, Rachel, thank you so much for joining us today. Really appreciate it and very insightful. And shout out to the Moose and Squirrel Clinic in Sundry, <laughs> Alberta. Yeah, thank you so much. This was a really excellent opportunity.